Framework is a show consecrated to field recording and its use in composition. Field recording, phonography, the art of sound hunting. Open your ears and listen. Framework A Field is a series of special editions curated and produced by guest artists from around the world. A new edition airs every second week, alternating with our usual Framework broadcasts. For more information, see our website at www.frameworkradio.net. This edition entitled Ethnography in Passing By, has been produced in Switzerland with recordings made in the United States by Stefan Paulus. For more of his work, see nowhere-nowhere.org. That's spelled N-O-W-H-E-R-E dash N-O-W-H-E-R-E. Yes. But you have a car and you just take the bike in the car? No. What is wrong with y'all? <laughs> no, that's cool. That's cool. Have you gone to San to Nuevo Mexico Santa Fe? Shit show, bro. So far. Yeah, because the Native Americans, they, some of them like don't even have water or electricity. Uh, I'm from Mexico. Yeah, so I migrated to America when I was eight years old. I swimmed across the river with my sister in my back, and um, that was in the year 2000. So I remember the Twin Towers.
my style. <laughs> I wouldn't do I mean, I would do it if I'm a registered voter. So no, you don't have to be registered to do it. Ah, really? You know that. No, I'm not an American citizen. You so. don't have to be American. You have to, you, are you, oh, you want to interview me? Yeah. Just to interview me? Yeah. All right. You want to know what I'm doing? Yes. All right. What's so important about uh, minimum wage? to rise up the minimum wage? Well, because the cost of living is going to go up regardless, so it's important that we can survive. There are small people, and that's the way it's engineered. It's always going to keep debt. To keep this machine going, it's a debt game. So they want inflation. They want the price of living to go up. They want the cost of living to go up, and people to stay at the same rate seven years behind. Our job is to keep increasing, increasing, despite where it's going to go, we keep increasing it because we have no choice. We gotta live. How about with a signature two seconds before you go? Gotta make sure everything is filled out. And Mr. Page. And do you think the, the, um, the politicians will, will change something? No. <laughs> <laughs> Why not? That's not their job. Their job is to make, make things look normal. Their job is not to do anything. Our job is to do something, yeah. but the more we wait, the more things will be what it is. So what should we do? Create, create our own government, create our own priorities for what we want in our life. Take care of our family, stop watching so much TV, stop following everybody, you know? Remember where you come from, remember your culture, remember your gods, remember your, your beliefs, remember your ancestry respect one another, love one another. That's what we should do. Simple stuff. Stop being so caught up by this thing that's not serving us. It's serving itself and we serve it and it doesn't make sense, but we, we do it in the name of survival. How you doing?
go by Empress. I'm Shanae, and I'm a chef here, and uh, this is Feywa Collective. Um, I'm with Third Eye Soul Kitchen as well, which is the kitchen aspect, and we do community work for the community here. We give out fresh fruit produce. We do like our psychedelic and trip, trip and paint nights. Um, yeah, yeah, trip, trip and paint. He does that. Uh, he also throws a bunch of events. We have a movie night here for the community tonight. Yeah, yeah I'm born and raised in Oakland too. So, so is Delhi God over there. Yeah, we're both born and raised here. My family grew up around the, uh, had lived around the corner at one point. Um, but yeah, this area has changed drastically um, probably over the past like 10, 10 years. Yeah, 10 years about when all the Silicon Valley stuff was going on. Okay. And that's what really shifted everything is because you know, they pushed a lot of people out of San Francisco. Also, it's multiple things that were happening. You know, even with the city of Oakland kind of already having their own agenda on how they wanted to shift um, the black and brown neighborhoods, you know, because everything's kind of all set up and it's been set up like this for a long time, you know. And like, I remember back in the day when that first earthquake hit, that was like kind of a start of it because in that way, uh, back in 1989, uh, when the earthquake had broke down that bridge where Mandela Parkway is, there used to be a freeway right there. So back in the day when there was a freeway there, there was a lot of people that lived in the area. So when they when that happened, it allowed them to kind of come in and kind of manage how now this place is going to, how we're going to, we can shift this area and kind of like, I don't want to say remove people from the community, but kind of like because they stopped allowing people back into their homes because most of them were, had, were all had earthquakes or you know had earthquake uh, disruption to it but also and they weren't allowing people to go back to their properties because everything had kind of like fallen into place but it was like that way that they had the gateway in to kind of take over you know because you have a people who don't really have much and then you know aren't going to really fight for much because there's always so much that we've had to fight for here you know, um, and then they weren't letting people go back into their homes. And this is stuff that you're not gonna even hear about or talk about because it's only known to people who were in the area, you know, but when FEMA came, just like how they did for Hurricane Katrina, and they weren't telling people like out in the public, like they weren't letting people go back to their homes, yeah. you know, so that way they were able to rebuild that whole area and shift it a little bit, you know. Um, and then the crack epidemic hit like in the early 90s. And when that hit, it like shifted the black community so much to where, People weren't, there was no togetherness anymore. People were like just kind of addicted to this drug that was like pushed into our communities as well, um, which also shifted a lot of violence, a lot of drugs, a lot of mental health, you know. Um, so it's just very interesting with like with that dynamic. And then I know that there was at one point where the city, before Silicon Valley came along, there was like this plan to like how do we get like a lot of the how do we shift the, the neighborhoods you know what i mean a little bit and make it you know feasible for for them and the look that they wanted instead of helping people out and this is just my opinion just growing up out here and just you know experiencing it myself you know
just staying on the streets. I really just put my heart out and I'm just like, I hope that they are okay and they find shelter or something to eat tonight and they stay safe. But I wasn't like, oh my gosh, what is this? And it didn't put me in a deep depression because we also did a lot of research on this issue before we came here. So I think I was kind of prepared for what we were going to see. And it's it's not like I haven't seen homelessness before. I've been to LA and I actually had a cousin, I believe, who just died on Skid Row. So it's like, and you, if you've seen Skid Row in LA, you're also like, wow. So this isn't my first time seeing something like this. And even my first time seeing something, it didn't really strike me as, oh, I'm gonna get into this depression. Cause I also feel like sometimes when people get those emotions, they kind of put it on themselves. Like, why, what am I supposed to do? How can I help? But I feel like I'm here just to learn about the issue and share as much information that I learn with other people. And maybe other people are inspired by it and go, okay, well, these are some solutions, or these are some things that worked in other places and maybe try to find other ways to take it back to the cities they live in or try to you know, keep, a, keep something from happening before it gets too bad or even realizing that, okay, this is what caused this here in Oakland and this is how we can revert it. But I don't think that my mental has been affected. It definitely, Dayton, Dayton, Dayton has a pretty high homeless population. And like, you know, you see people out here asking for money. That's common in Dayton also. Like, and, but Dayton's look way more strict. Like they have no panhandling signs in some places. And you see people on the end of like freeways and highways, like holding up things or people with their children all the time. So being here didn't really affect my mental because I knew what I was going to see when they said we were studying the housing crisis we wouldn't be here if it wasn't a big issue you know? but I just kind of just lend my heart out and do as much as I can I get a few times where I've given money to people or my food or my water or whatever I can physically give them at the time to help them get through the night but,
Oh, 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 oh,
You know, I often ask myself, why are these people coming to yoga class? You know, and I'm, I'm sure there's a variety of reasons. A lot of reasons. There's a lot of different reasons. And so sometimes I look at this group in front of me and ask myself, you know, I mean, it's, it's not my role to try to heal them or cure them or help them. I'm just holding the space and sharing the practice with these folks. But there's a whole variety of people that come to yoga for various reasons. And I think some people come because they think, they think this is going to be good for them. But I'm not so sure that they really know it. And other people who know that this is something that's really helpful for them, you can spot them. <laughs> you can see who's really into the practice and going in rather than trying to be out there. You know, like the idea of playing music in your events. Yes, it's really nice, but I still don't understand it. It's so contra yoga in my opinion. You can tell people who are not paying attention to class when they do a forward bend, they start picking on their toenails. <laughs> It's a dead giveaway. <laughs> For sure. So, younger generation who's more into exercise and, and fitness and, and you know, competition, um, that's different than what I'm at this table. I'm not saying we're geriatric yoga, but um, not quite. Getting there. Getting there. <laughs> we're still, still working on it. But we're more interested in aging health in a healthy way. I think that's why folks of our generation are... Yeah, we're, we're, we're fogies. We're trying to age in a healthy way, right? And use the yoga to help us when shit happens. Yeah, the, the whole thing about finding your edge, you know, don't go too far because you're not going to get anything, but go far enough that you feel something just to, to be able to balance on that edge if you can find it. And then you try to take that into other situations uh, is something to aspire to and harder to It's achieve. a practice. It's a practice. <laughs> so I want to get back to the social ability just for a second because yes. I teach trauma-informed yoga. So I work with veterans who have post-traumatic stress, for example. But I think they say, although I think it's more, that one out of three people in a yoga class has had severe trauma. But everybody's had trauma. Being born is trauma enough. Being born is a traumatic experience. And when like-minded people who have had like-minded experiences come together, I think it's very healing for them to be with other people like themselves. And I think, again, that's the social aspect of it. One of the things we miss in working with veterans is that they don't get a chance. You know, I teach them on Zoom now, and they're like, when are we going to get back to in-person classes? You know, they want to be together, mm -hmm. and they share stories before and after class. It's just fascinating to see that it's really the yoga is like a vehicle for them to connect with each other. This and, gathering survived the pandemic. This is this is going on before the pandemic. We used to do this.
But I can't is direction because this area here, well, right there, right there, right there, about Donaldson here. With a, with a, a plain family. How far is it to Donaldsonville? Oh, like five miles? Yeah, something like five miles. Yeah. Alright, how y'all doing? How y'all doing? Yeah. Um, yeah. I can't this direction because my mom had passed. My mom passed uh, about 16 years ago. And then about four months later, the family house got busted down in the dumpster. Uh, in, a, in a dumpster. And uh, my dad died. 75, two days before I graduated, got my high school diploma from St. James High School. And my daddy was in Vietnam in World War II as a truck driver. Yeah, what they do is operating the motor, the motor, give up, then repair motor, uh, uh, put the wires on the motor. For car industry or uh, no, uh, uh, chemical, chemical and acid, chemicals. Yes, yes. yes. Yeah. So yeah. You, you got sick from the chemicals? Yeah. Allergy, the doctor called it allergy growth on, on the intestine. Allergy growth in the intestine. You know, like when you try to go fishing and you see all that, that green stuff, the green stuff around the trees, don't be in the water. Yeah, yeah that kind of, that kind of stuff, allergy growth eating.
Martin Luther King Jr. way. Walk sign is on the cross. Martin Luther King Jr. way. Martin Luther King Jr. Funk was the last philosophy you need until the apocalypse. <laughs> and so I tried to put everything in here that, you know, that sort of captures the, my current philosophical zeitgeist. But, you know, everyone has to do their projects and, or think of projects to do, and then you, you do them and you only have time for people who help you. Yeah. So what are your key points of your punk philosophy? Well, it's obviously, um, it's, you have to maintain an outlook, first of all. Because every time we go out, you know, we're looking around, and, and your outlook has got to be black humor. You know, everything, you have to look at everything. How can I find humor anywhere? That's your first that's, that's the first principle of punk, I think. And, and then if there's, and you'll see lots of things you don't like, and so your job is to make fun of it. That's the second point. And then the third point is just to do something, anything, a zine, a band, you know, your clothing, make some clothes that make a statement. I don't know. It's talk, you know, talk to people and sharpen up what else is there in life make friends yes that's make true. friends that, that's that's so yeah. in the, the zeitgeist right now it's it's not so friendly zeitgeist in my opinion friendly no not why at not all. because of i'm this, friendly you, you you are <laughs> i mean yeah but like Making friends in this neoliberal kind of zeitgeist, everybody is in competition to each other. I don't think so. I mean, I think there's a lot of people in this neighborhood that are quite friendly. And, you know, they'll help you out if you need help. I mean, that's, the only, that's what our community is about. People who are helping each other, but only if you need it. You know, I mean, you don't gratuitously ask for help when you don't need it. It has to be a genuine need.
You have been listening to Framework Afield. For more information, see our website at www.frameworkradio.net. Framework is made possible by its Patreon supporters. For more information, see patreon.com slash frameworkradio. Thanks for listening.